coming to you live from the studios of 107.5 WBLS. This is Open Line. We want to hear what's on your mind. Call us at 212-545-1075 or email us at openlinefm at aol.com. And welcome to Open Line here on 107.5 WBLS-FM on this Sunday, January 28th. Well, later this afternoon, there will be first at 3 p.m. the NFL-AFC championship game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. Then at 6.30 p.m., the NFC championship game will take place between the Detroit Lions and the San Francisco 40. Niners. We have uh, more discussion. We'll have more discussion on these games on the WBLS Open Line online Facebook live show in the next hour with the sports brothers, Bobby Childs and Jamie Harris. Let me introduce myself. I'm Brother Fatine, your host. And I'm joined. You got dressed every recently Sunday. and that skirt was just. I'm joined every Sunday by my co-host, the sophisticated lady, Jennifer Jones, Austin Esquire. Good morning, Sister Jennifer. How are you doing this morning? I'm good, and I'm appreciating that uh, you appreciate that. I don't know too much about football, so you're carrying that discussion to the next hour, and I love you for that. As you're watching, I think I'm going to try to find somebody to go with me to see uh, American Fiction, or maybe I'll just go by myself. They say it's a good movie with our brother Jeffrey Wright in it. So I think I'm going to try to do that while you're watching football. All right. Well, I heard the same thing about this movie. And hopefully Jeffrey Wright is headed to uh, receive an Oscar. So we'll see what happens there. Sister Jennifer, we have an action-packed show for our listening audience today. And we have a special guest that is already on our live line, which we will introduce along with the topic of discussion with this guest. But first, Jennifer, I would like to dedicate today's show. In the memory and honor of Dexter King, who is the, who was the youngest son and third child of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King, who passed away at the age of 62 years after battling prostate cancer last Sunday. Bernice King, sister of Dexter King, remembered her brother by stating that Dexter was a visionary and a brilliant leader, and he stressed upon the family that it needed to advance their father's legacy through technology and that his vision will be fulfilled. Jennifer, your thoughts on the late Dexter King? I join you in uh, expressing my condolences to the family of Dexter King, to his wife and to his sister and to his brother, Martin Luther King III. You know, it's often said when people die so young that um, they die too soon, gone too soon. And um, what I'm just gonna hold on to is that he lived with purpose and uh, it was his time and God called him home. And in his death, uh, given the circumstances that he died from uh, conditions tied to prostate cancer. Uh, his death, uh, very much like his father's, you know, is a wake-up call for us, uh, for many of us. His on the health front, that we have to be vigilant at our health care. Uh, too many men, and particularly, especially black men, uh, suffer and lose their lives to prostate cancer. And so uh, let his... Let his living and let his passing uh, serve as a reminder to us that we're to stay in the game, and uh, and that includes taking 
the best care of ourselves health-wise. All right. Well said. Well said. Folks, let me pass out the number 212-545-1075 to reach us here at the open line 212-545-1075. The first half of the show, we will be talking about the How Many Stops Act. And you can see that it's been in the news, front page news last Monday. So let's go ahead and jump in and then we introduce our guest. The New York City Council plans to vote on overriding Mayor Eric Adams' veto of the How Many Stops Act, a police reporting bill aiming to require NYPD officers to document specific interactions with the public. Mayor Adams and NYPD argue that the act would burden officers with bureaucracy requiring documentation for almost every interaction while proponents view it as an essential for police accountability and preventing racial profiling. The debate has escalated, contributing to a rift between the mayor and city council leadership. Tensions between Mayor Adams and the city council leadership have risen, with both sides accusing each other of spreading misinformation about the legislation's impact. The rift led to disruptions at City Hall reflecting the contentious nature of the debate. Now, Speaker Adrian Adams also announced the intention to also override another veto by Mayor Adams specifically related to Bill 549A, which seeks to outlaw the use of solitary confinement by a correction department to ser- uh, surrogate unruly detainees. Now, on Friday, New York City Council Speaker Adrian Adams released the following statement saying, We should all be united in advance in our city by recognizing the harmful legacies of injustice that undermine the health and safety of our city and its neighborhoods. The council has no interest in prolonging a conversation that has been made unnecessary, toxic, by the spreading of fear and misinformation, and we plan to override the mayor's recent vetoes on this Tuesday. Jennifer, let me get your thoughts on this before we bring on a very special guest. Well, you know, you know that these issues are of great and grave concern to me. Uh, I was, uh, I'm going to say I was privileged, I was honored uh, back in 2021 to serve on the uh, police reform, criminal justice reform and police reform uh, advisory board here in New York City where we looked at uh, the experiences of people uh, who've been challenged by their interactions with the police throughout New York City. And so when I learned what the council was doing, I welcomed it because I believe we need more transparency. Now, I'm not a police officer and I'm not the mayor who served as a police officer. And so I would welcome learning more from him as we're going to learn from our speaker today about why he thinks that transparency of this type is not necessary when so many people and especially persons of color are uh, very often stopped and harassed by police officers for no reason. And those uh, encounters go unchecked. And so I, I, I need to understand more about why it is necessary to veto this at this time. And then on solitary confinement. Yeah, you know that I served on the Board of Correction for several years. And in the late teens, in 2016, 2017, we ended the practice of punitive segregation, otherwise known as solitary confinement for young adults. 
One of the most difficult moments that I ever had while serving on the board was touring the uh, Rikers Island with two correction officers, a black woman and a woman of Hispanic origin, who looked at me and told me that when we stopped punitive segregation, putting young people, young men in particular, you know, uh, away in the box, as they called it, for 23 hours at a time, you know, we, we jacked them up, you know, because these young men, when they came out, they used to be so calm, you know, they, 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 you know, they, they were meek. They didn't say anything. And all I could think to myself was, wow, we as persons of color are contributing to the destruction of the minds of young people. And somehow we're okay with it. Now, I know it's a, 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 these are competing interests. We got to keep detainees safe. We got to keep correction officers safe. But we cannot do it by killing the minds of young persons and older persons. The United Nations has said that solitary confinement is torture. The federal government is looking at legislation to end solitary confinement. We, the Board of Correction, passed the first rules to bring about less restrictive housing, to end solitary confinement as it had been. De Blasio didn't implement it towards the end of his term, and the mayor, Mayor Adams, has continued that. But now the city council has taken action trying to balance competing interests, trying to be one of the first cities in this nation to say no more. We're not going to hurt, particularly, especially black and brown people, many who've been locked up and have not yet been tried and convicted. So I am proud that this, that the council's taking action on this. I want to hear why they, you know, why they've done this, why the mayor has vetoed it and what they intend to do about it. And then I'd love, love to hear from the mayor about why this is necessary. All right. Well, with that being said, let's go. There you go. With that being said, let's bring on our special guest that's been holding, and that is New York City Council Speaker Adrian Adams. She is the first ever African-American speaker. She is also the first woman to represent District 28, which encompasses the Queens neighborhoods of Jamaica, Richmond Hill, Rochdale Village, and South Ozone Park. Good morning, Speaker Adrian Adams. How are you doing this morning? Well, good morning, Brother Fatim, my sister Jennifer. I am doing well this morning. Thank you. All right. Jennifer's going to kick off that first question to you this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Speaker Adams. Always blessed to have you with us. Help us appreciate the, the intent behind these two bills uh, that objectively look like they're aimed at keeping uh, people on the streets and, you know, and as well as people behind bars uh, from, you know, like unnecessary uh, encounters that, you know, may cause them further harm. Help us to understand the intent behind them. Help us to understand, you know, why the mayor has vetoed them and what you all intend to do about it as a council. Well, thank you so much, uh, Jennifer, for the question. And, you know, after uh, your preamble there, I don't think you need me to say anything else. You just really took it away and just (laughs) pretty much gave the nuts and bolts, you know, of uh, why we feel that this override of the mayor's vetoes are necessary. Well, I I will just start with Introduction 586A uh, of the How Many Stops Act. It's a pretty simple data reporting bill. It aims to improve transparency on, the, on police investigative stops that are intrusive to New Yorkers' daily lives, as we already know. This particular le- piece of legislation helps to provide consistency on the reporting of stops to improve the accuracy of data 
that can facilitate more informed decisions on policing while contributing to greater public trust, which we know has been eroded over the years. This is common sense uh, police transparency legislation. And Jen, as you know, this bill emerged from the remedial process of the 2013 federal court decision that found that the NYPD's use of stop and frisk, it was unconstitutional for violating the rights of New Yorkers. But in any case, despite that ruling, um, uh, we still have uh, the NYPD continuing to engage in unacceptably high rates of unconstitutional stops, which damaged police and community relations. But even more so, the trauma of these stops continues to fall disproportionately on young black and Latino New Yorkers. So this piece of legislation aims to gather the data, which we know is underreported anyway, but this is going to mandate that that data be captured so that we know what's going on and why, why uh, people of color are being stopped disproportionately. As far as the solitary bill is concerned, again, Sister Jennifer, you encapsulated that perfectly. Solitary confinement, and you use the expression punitive segregation. That's another name for solitary confinement, but solitary confinement by any name that utilizes isolation causes physical and psychological harm. Uh, harm. And experts do agree that its use only contributes to continued and greater violence. So this particular piece of legislation <clears throat> it pretty much uh, aims to get rid of it altogether. We are not saying that restraints cannot be utilized when it comes to bad behavior. But what we are saying is that there must not be isolation anymore. That further increases violence, number one. The main thing that we're looking to stop, it does not stop. But what it does is increases psychological harm to human beings. Let me give out that telephone number to join our conversation with Speaker Adrian Adams, 212-545-1075, 212-545-1075. We have some uh, callers on the line. We're going to get to them in a few minutes. Uh, Speaker Adrian Adams, you know, as um, last Sunday on the open line online Facebook live show, we had New York City Councilman uh, and and uh the public safety chair, Councilman Yusuf Salam, who appeared on the broadcast, and he talked about the How Many Stops Act. And it's so ironic that Monday's morning, post this past Monday, uh, front page story was, who will stand up for cops? Mayor Eric Adams needs two of these polls, and they had the pictures of numerous New York City council members on the front page to Nick police red tape bill. Also, Mayor Adams ordered city council members to ride along with New York City police officers as a last-ditch effort to change some opinions on the How Many Stops Act. But it's interesting that on this past Friday night, Yusuf Salam, New York City councilman, was stopped by the police. And he had planned to take a ride along. But after he was stopped, he canceled it. Can you kind of give us an update on what happened um, that materialized out of this stop with uh, Councilman Yusuf Salam? Oh, goodness gracious. You can't make this stuff up, right? Um, the, hard, the harder we work, the more irony comes back, you know, uh, to us pretty much to prove our point. But what I understand, and I did speak with, uh, with the council member, 
um, afterwards. Uh, his account is that he was pulled over while he was in his car with his wife in the front seat with him and his children, by the way, were in the back seat. Uh, he was in his district. He was pulled over for reasons that were never given to him, by the way. And uh, he was told to roll the windows down. Um, as a matter of fact, the NYPD put the video out last night. I don't know if, if you two saw it. But it, it, in my opinion, corroborated what the council member said happened. He was told to put his windows down. And I don't know, for, for me as a mom, as a grandmother, to have a flashlight shining in the eyes of children in the back seat to me. Let's start the trauma level there for this stop. Uh, by which he was never given a reason why he was stopped. I, I will continue to say that. So uh, the police officer uh, went to the front, and the council member uh, said to him immediately, um, you know, I am council member uh, Yusuf Salam. This is my district. And then the police officer immediately said, oh, council member. The police officer was very cordial. Um, oh, council member. Okay. Uh, and it was like, are you working or something along those lines? And uh, Council Member Salam said yes. And then the police officer said, okay, sir, have a good evening. All right. Cordial, which is what the NYPD wants us to, to get out of this whole stop, in my opinion, that it was cordial. He was never told why he was stopped. I had a problem with that. Um, shouldn't it have been, and, you know, I'm not a police officer, but shouldn't it have been, hi, sir, we pulled you over because... I don't know. In my head, that's just the way things should go. Um, once the, you know, once the windows were down and they were deemed to, you know, be whatever, the next thing should have been we pulled you over because that that explanation was never given to Council Member Salam. So that is what we know that transpired with that, uh, which would have been a level three stop, by the way. Um, the police then put in their report that I read that they pulled him over because of tinted windows. He was never told that when he was stopped. Um, uh, you know, and, and again, you, you can watch the video and see for yourselves what transpired. Very quick uh, interaction, by the way. Again, the police officer was very cordial during the whole interaction. Um, as far as the ride-along is concerned, yes, there was, an, there was an offer for council members, including myself, to go on a ride-along with NYPD officers. The implication, of course, being that we don't know anything about uh, the way that NYPD operates. I've been a council member since 2017. Before that, I was a chair of a community board. I've been interacting with my local precincts for a very, very long time. So to even, you know, uh, insinuate that I don't have any idea of NYPD operations or even that I've never gone on a, on a ride along, by the way, um, it's just, I, I, I don't know. I didn't know whether to be insulted or just, I, I don't know. I still don't know how to feel. But we appreciated the offer, and several council members uh, took the mayor up on his offer. It happened yesterday, and uh, hopefully uh, the experience was one that was gratifying for my members. Council Member Salam was one of the first ones to say, I will go. But after this interaction on Friday night, he decided that, that was not going to be the case for him. I, I believe that sometime in the future, he will do one in his district, which was my druthers, by the way, for my members to go in their own districts rather than to go for a ride along somewhere in Manhattan. 
I'm not in Manhattan. My constituents don't live in Manhattan. My ride-along has been in my district, where I can see what's going on in the confines of District 28, how my constituents are treated, how my, 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 my partners in the NYPD are interacting with my own constituents. So for me, yes, the, the, uh, the offer was a good gesture, but to me, it was not the greater gesture, which would have been, we're going to encourage you to go and ride along to New District. Right, right. And I did see the video and um, I saw it. So, folks, it is out there online. And um, I was stopped two weeks ago and it went, I mean, it went well, put it like that. I just was stopped. A uh, police officer came to, he didn't come to my side because I was kind of in the roadway. So he came to the passenger side. I was in the car by myself. And the first thing he stated, he said, I'm recording. He said, I'm recording. Yeah. He said, he said, ask me for my license. And he said, once I get your license, I'll tell you why I stopped you. Gave him my license, told me why he stopped. We had a brief conversation. Everything went well, no ticket, but that the, the whole procedure went well. So it, it did. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, well, I wasn't profiled. I'm not going to sit there and say I was profiled. But as you said, Sister Adrian, that you want them to be cordial, but you also want to know why you are being stopped. And that's where the interaction comes in, and then it escalates at the end of the day. So this is so important, and this transparency bill is so important to make sure that things go well and there is no police profiling in our community because we've been fighting against this for years Years, years. So this is so important. Two one two five four five one zero seven five. We're going to go to the phones. Jennifer is going to kick that off. All right. Let me just say, you, not only do you want to know why you've been stopped, you have a right. You have a right to know. You have a legal right to know why you've been stopped. Let's go to let's go to line five to Patricia from Manhattan. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, good morning, Brother Fatim. Good morning, Sister for Jennifer, and good morning to Council Member uh, Adams. Um, I just want to say that my family has experienced two encounters with the police. Number one, when my son was home from college, he was a Morehouse student, was visiting his relatives. He was home for Christmas vacation and just making the rounds of visiting his family in the Bronx on University Avenue. And it was about maybe 10.30 in the evening, walking down the block, patrol car comes up behind him, doesn't say a word, slams him against the building, puts a gun to his head, never said why they stopped him. And of course, I don't know if it was because he was black, they thought maybe he had drugs, but the point was nothing, he didn't have anything on him and they sent him on his merry way. I myself was stopped in my car. For no, I was never told why I was stopped. I produced my license registration. Everything was fine. I am really surprised at the mayor and, the, the, number one, the tone that he is using. I was appalled to see what he did at City Hall in terms of that press conference last week. And I have to say to the mayor, he needs to understand that the community wants to feel safe. They want police protection, but I should not have to be afraid of the police. The community wants to feel safe, but we don't want to feel that we have to fear the police. And he needs to understand that. I am really appalled and surprised at him and let him know that this is not something that the black and brown community wants and supports. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you, Thank you, Patricia. Let's go to line four. 
Good morning. Good morning. Assalamu alaikum, my sisters and brothers. Happy New Year to all. My my thing is, I agree with the city council's bill to override the, the mayor that the police officers should be accountable to show who they're stopping with putting their race of the person they're stopping and the reason why the person is being stopped. Because many a times, you never get told why you're getting pulled over or why you're getting slammed up against cars and buildings. So I think it's very important for accountability for the police to be documented for every stop. I don't care about the overtime. They need to document overtime. I mean, document every stop to show what officer is stopping certain people all the time and have accountability. And as far as... Um, uh, 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 solitary confinement? Solitary confinement. I think that's humane. It shouldn't be done. Because especially with a young person, their mind just goes blank after being locked up in a closed in place for a long time. There's a mental cruelness. And peace be unto everybody. All right. Peace be Thank unto you, my brother. Uh, let's uh, get, get a response. One yeah, more let's call? get a response. Okay, yeah. oh, before we go to one more call, let's get a response from Speaker Adams. Oh, yes. Sister Patricia, you know, um, she's a longtime listener of Open Line. I've listened to her responses over the years as well. And as usual, the sister's on fire. She's absolutely on point um, with her response, with the reason that the city council is going forward with this legislation. Again, that's long overdue. Um, we are traumatized in our communities. I said this in a meeting uh, last month. We should not be petrified of those who are sworn to keep us safe in our communities. But the fact of the matter is that we are a traumatized people. I think, I, 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 I think that it's part, it's part of our DNA, the way that we grew up in this trauma. Um, we grew up with the origination of the way that, uh, that we were policed, um, you know, from, from way, way, way back when, the generations beyond. So to see now the continuation uh, of this cycle of traumatization in black and brown communities is so heartbreaking to me. I also wanted to, to mention um, something else that's been touted, part of the rhetoric. This quote-unquote, it's going to bog them down in paperwork. I want to dispel that as well while I have a moment. Now listen, NYPD is the most technologically savvy police department on the planet um, they are amazing in their technology. They have a digidog, uh, uh, you know, a digital dog that goes into buildings to make sure that the buildings are safe before officers or civilians ever go into, into places, buildings or whatever that may cause harm otherwise. So you mean to tell me that we can have a digital dog keeping us safe, keeping officers safe, but... One little click on a smartphone is not possible, and instead, the NYPD would require their officers to be, quote, bogged down with paperwork that they are blaming on the council, by the way. Council has no responsibility um, in the issuance of the way that this legislation will be carried out. So they're saying that they would themselves be requiring their officers to do this paperwork. It's absurd to me. This is a, a click on smartphones, which we all know they use very regularly anyway, um, to account for their activities when they're on, on duty. So that, the fact that with the paperwork, to me, is patently false. 
um, police officers are already required to, uh, you know, to document level one stops anyway. This is just going to uh, give us more data that we so desperately need to uh, pertaining to who exactly is being stopped. Okay, sounds good. Jennifer, uh, take another call, please. All right, let's go to let's go to line two to Lisa from Queens. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Um, good morning, um, Speaker of the House. And that would be good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, we got yes, you, Lisa. Good morning. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just wanted to say we. Um, I agree because I was um, stopped with my mother. We were going down Farmers and. She made a turn and she's like in her 70s and she was stopped and the cops came over to my side holding his gun and I thought that was kind of unique, you know, and it was odd. And my boyfriend was stopped one time. He was helping me get into my car with a Slim Jim in Forest Hills and he had on his uniform because he works at an auto shop and they said to him, you fit the description, we have to take you down. And I, you know, to the precinct and... He didn't fit any um, whatever. That was another one. But as far as transparency, I think that's important. But we also need city council to be transparent also. That um, NewYorkCity.gov channel, it needs to be current with your city council hearings. We shouldn't be watching hearings from last month. Okay, so that's another thing. City council needs to be transparent too. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, Lisa, appreciate the uh, uh, call and comment. Uh, Speaker Adams? Yes, I would love to, to respond to the, the City Council channel. Uh, city Council has nothing to do with the City Council channel. We don't do TV. Um, so so that's, in, that's absolutely all in the hands of uh, the network that provides that service um, to New Yorkers. In addition to that, um, my sister, you're probably watching reruns, which they will put on. Um, the first runs usually happen, I believe, real time during uh, the time that we're having our hearings during the week. So they, they rerun, um, you know, from time to time our hearings just to give folks, you know, a flavor for maybe something that's happened last week or, you know, whatever. But once again, um, if, if we could do something about that, we certainly would. But we don't run the network. We only run our hearings. Thank you. And is it, well, is it correct that your hearings themselves are public, are open to public, or the great majority of them? Most definitely. Our hearings are, are open to the public, uh, whether you want to be there in person uh, with us, uh, with any hearing. We encourage you to come and testify. You know, they're all on our, uh, our schedules or, or on the uh, council website. So if anybody can feel free to go to, to the New York City Council's website check us out, see what we're doing for the week. If you've got anything that 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 uh, is of particular interest to you, come on down to City Hall, join us in Chambers. If you just want to listen, come on down to City Hall and listen as well. So, yeah, we welcome that. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and Speaker Adrian Adams has agreed to stay a little bit longer since our lines are filled. To reach us here at Open Line, 212-545-1075. We'll take this quick, quick break, and when we come back, more of your phone calls with our special guest, New York City Council Speaker Adrian Adams. You're listening to Open Line right here on 107.5 WBLS.
WBLS. Welcome back to Open Line right here on 107.5 WBLS with Brother Fatine and Sister Jennifer Jones-Austin and our special guest, New York City Council Speaker Adrian Adams. To reach the Open Line, you can give us a call at 212-545-1075. You can reach us on Facebook and X, formerly known as Twitter, by going to WBLS 1075NYC. And we are streaming live at WBLS. A couple of quick announcements. Uh, next Sunday, I'll be able to give you this information. Uh, the, the digital department here at the station, WBLS, have been working on, and it looks like that the open line folks are saying, we would like to hear the show. Sometimes we can't tune in. We're in church, or we're busy, we're at work, and we would like to tune in at a later time. So they are working on creating open line here, the on-air as a podcast where you can go back and listen to. So next Sunday, I will announce those details. Also, the open line online, the second hour of WBLS Facebook page beginning at 9, 10 a.m. this morning. Join me and the open line online team as we discuss the top news stories of the week, especially South Carolina Senator Tim Scott just humiliating himself after Trump was declared the winner of New Hampshire's GOP primary. The former president pointed to the recent endorsement by Scott, who joined him on stage. And Trump stated, you must really hate her, referring to Nikki Haley. Scott, the senator, skinning and grinning, joined Trump at the microphone and just said, I just love you. Mm, We're going to talk more about that. Sunday morning with Reverend Al Sharpton will be coming up at 9 a.m. to be followed by Express Yourself with MLTAP Gary Bird at 10 a.m. this morning. And uh, last week I announced the passing of Deacon Robert Lee Williams Sr. He was the father of our associate producer, Robin Williams. Deacon Robert Lee Williams Senior Homegoing Service will take place Friday, February 2nd at the New Hope Deliverance Church, which is located at 157-02 Maya Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. The viewing will be from 6 to 7 p.m. and the service will begin at 7 p.m. Then the burial will take place on Saturday, February 3rd at 10.30 a.m. at Evergreen Cemetery, which is also is located in Brooklyn, New York. And we must keep another one of our WBLS colleagues in our prayers. My very good friend DJ Bentrock's mother made her transition last night. So please keep both Robin and DJ Bentrock and their families in your prayers during this very difficult time for them so we keep them in our prayers and we continue to offer our condolences there all right folks 212-545-1075 we are going to continue with the phone since uh, speaker adrian adams uh said that she would stay a little longer and the phone lines are filled let's go to line three and bring mike calling us from the bronx good morning mike your thoughts good morning Good morning, everyone. I, too, am very surprised at Mayor Adams for his um, for his um, veto, because as we all know, there for years, there have been people joining the police force for the wrong reasons and the wrong reasons includes abusive 
reasons. He himself made an issue of that when he was on the force back when um, Giuliani was mayor. And, of course, you had the um, police union president, Patrick Lynch, on board at that time. All right. Their rhetoric and their catalyst contributed to all a bunch of this. And then when you fast forward to just within 10 years ago was that infamous controversial statement made by a person certain person at that Nassau County Police Convention, he said, don't be so nice and cordial to the people you encounter. Go ahead, rough them up a bit, show them who's boss. And for team, you know who I'm speaking about, don't you? Of course, I know. <laughs> Your name is I don't need to say his name. Right. I appreciate that call, Michael. I got a lot of calls. Thank you for that. I want to continue before we go back to Speaker Adams. Let's go to line six and bring Karen calling us from Queens this morning. Good morning, Karen. Welcome to Open Line. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Speaker. I'd like to just say uh, I agree with the bill, um, and I agree that, you know, we do, we have that better communication and, re- and a good relationship with the police department in our community. However, we know this, this has been ongoing historically for a long time. I'd like to ask you, um, have, separate from the mayor, we know he, he's a cop's cop. Separate from the mayor, have you spoken to other organizations like uh, the police department used to have the Guardians Association and see how, how these other organizations in the, within the police department feel about it in conjunction with people in our community? Um, that's one the question i like to ask you. And the other thing i like to ask you is that one of my concerns is how the crime victims within our community are treated. You know, I have people in my family that have been mugged. You know, my, my mother was mugged. Um, I have uh, people that was, um, my nephew was knocked over the head. He received a brain trauma from getting robbed, coming home from school. He was a victim of a crime. You know, it's not about the crimes that, that's happening so much in our community that we're doing to ourselves. More so than after these things happen, what are the services that our people are receiving, the mental health uh treatment you know what are what is happening to follow up with to heal with to create a healing within our community because we're suffering on both sides of the of the spectrum here we're suffering on both sides with the nypd and we're suffering from elders in our community being robbed mugged locked into their apartments because they're scared to walk the street this is a big broad thing that we need to encompass bring everybody together and create a healing for the wounds that we're suffering Thank you for allowing me to, to speak. You're welcome, Karen. Speaker Adams. Thank you so much, Sister Karen, um, for your comments and questions. I, I will address the first one. As far as other organizations being a part of this legislation, you know, this legislation's been out there for a while. Um, it was sponsored by, uh, you know, former council member Jamani Williams, now public advocate Jamani Williams. So those conver- conversations happened quite a while ago. There, the situation is coming to the forefront now because of the misinformation that's been put out there since the passage of this legislation by the city council. Um, as far as victim services, that is such an excellent point. You know, I gave each of my council members $100,000 per, per each district to take care of victims and to um, make the make sure that there were victim services provided for each district we have a need for more trauma centers i'm financing uh, some right now but we have a need for more of them if there is any specific um area that you need or a family member needs i encourage you to get in touch with your 
local council member, and they can put you in touch with those services. All right. Jennifer? All right. Let's go to, let's go to line eight to London from Manhattan. Peace and blessings, brothers and sisters, on the panel and the ones out. One thing we should uh, recognize and appreciate and should use is the Civil Complaint Review Board. Uh, we must do jury duty. Uh, we must um, pay attention to what is going on and get involved. And, um, yes, I appreciate the bill that's being passed. And let's also piggyback to, wasn't Mayor Adams arrested from uh, being profiled when he was a little, uh, when he was a teenager, young man, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, 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 and he doesn't understand? We are definitely calling out, and I'm shouting it out because I have been um, uh, harassed by them, my sons, my grandchildren. How can we trust people who are, are saying that it is good to have solitary confinement and no transparency? And yes, they're on their phones with personal phone calls. So yes, y'all should. If it only takes a, a smartphone, as is being announced, am I right about that? Um, we should, uh, I see them always just on their phones. And we do need it because they harass us. One small stop could come with four young men in a car. And then one is asking, why are we being stopped? Other officer with his gun on, then the whole thing turns ugly because our sons do know how to say officer what is the problem and why and they don't like when we are smart and speaking out god bless all of y'all and peace be unto us all god bless all right, all right london speaker adams do you yeah. want to respond to her london uh, i i just thank her for her comments so much and you know I'll just say this also. I was on another radio show a few days ago, and while I was on that show, one of the callers that called in was a recently retired NYPD lieutenant. And I tell you, NYPD officers want this bill. The lieutenant told the story from the inside and said, you know, the council is absolutely right in passing this bill. There are things that go on behind the scenes that are unconstitutional. Our citizens are being treated unconstitutionally by these stops, which never get reported. So, I, I, I mean, he really took the show away. I've got, I've got to say, he, he said some things that I wasn't even aware of as far as behind the scenes, you know, at the NYPD. So there are many, many, many great officers out there that want to do the right thing. Um, but there are some, unfortunately, that do not want us to have transparency and do not want full accountability for what is going on in our communities with these stops. I you know, if I may just add... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You're going to oh, okay. <laughs> We both want to jump in here. I just want to say two things. First of all, London, you know, asked the question, does Mayor Eric Adams understand? He understands. He's been on this program numerous times. He's been on as 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 an NYPD officer as part of 
two fraternal organizations, the Guardians and then 100 Blacks in law enforcement who care, that he spoke out against police brutality and profiling. So he definitely understands. And then the second is that I met with Mayor Eric Adams about two weeks ago, and I just want folks to know, he said, you know, because I was telling him, his folks were telling me about time uh, constraints on the show, and he was like, for team... I'll come on the show, so I don't want folks to say that he's dodging us, even though he has a show every second Sunday that he comes on from 1030 to 11 on Emotep Gary Bird. He said he would come on and he would give and speak to the people for more than 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and he has said that. So we will be inviting him on in the very, very, very near future to talk with the people there. Jennifer? Yeah, I just wanted to add, yeah, the mayor did a, 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 a good thing this, this week. He announced that he is going to be investing in programming to support uh, and address, uh, you know, the disparities that present for, for black women, uh, you know, with respect to infant and maternal uh, health and, and, and high rates of infant and maternal mortality. Uh, talked about, you know, investing in, in young girls. I think what we're doing here is helping to draw out some of these intersectionalities. If you were, you know, his, his administration is touting that they're, they're going to be the, uh, the single most woman-supportive city in the country. Well, you cannot have laws that allow for, you know, for lack of transparency because women have husbands. They have sons. They have, you know, they, they have brothers. They have fathers. And they themselves may be subjected to police encounters that need to be checked. You cannot ban solitary confinement and think that women are not going to be harmed by that. Their sons, their, you know, their, 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 their partners, their fathers, themselves. You can't decimate child care. All of this, the mayor has to appreciate. This is all intersectional. And if we're going to support black and brown people in this city, we have to see how these things all work together. It's just critically important that he and his administration understand these things. Exactly. We're going to squeeze in one more call and they give uh, Speaker Adrian Adams uh, final thoughts as we uh, begin to wrap. Jennifer, take that last call, please. All right. Let's go to let's go to line uh, two to Gregory from the Bronx. Good morning. Hello. How you doing? Um, good morning to everybody. Um, good morning. This is a difficult subject. Good morning to you. Um, unfortunately, you know, our people are killing each other at an alarming rate. A lot of these kids are running around. I don't know where they're getting all these guns, but like seven out of ten kids got a gun out here. And it's really unfortunate. And um, we need tougher policing. And I'm from, I'm from the hood, and I'm speaking from a street point of view, and from what I see, it's a lot of drugs and violence on the street, and we need tougher policing. But at the same time, we need we need good and correct policing also. So it's a difficult subject, but it's way too much guns and violence on the street. And like the young lady said earlier, people in their house, they scared to come out. They get mugged and robbed. It's a lot of gang violence, more than I've ever seen. And it's unfortunate. The way people, we kill each other out here on these streets. All right, Gregory, we want to thank you for your call. Uh, Speaker Adams, I would like you to address that because if we start to look at this, crime numbers uh, have dropped since Mayor uh, Eric Adams has taken office as mayor. 
Um, but I do understand by living in the community that, yes, crime is a, a tough issue and we have to have good policing, but we have to have good policing without any abuse and brutality. Speaker Adams. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with you, Satine. Uh, I agree with the caller as well. You know, um, crime, it, it's rough. You know, it's rough. I live in South Jamaica. I have for, uh, what, 35 years, just about. And, you know, although, you know, the levels of crime or percentages of crime have gone down, I mean, I, I, I'm on Citizens App. I see what happens within walk, walking distance of my own home. So it is absolutely a fact, you know, that, uh, that crime exists. Uh, in our communities, and the uh, proliferation of guns is out of control out here. Uh, that said, I think that we need to parse the subject matter because when it comes to this particular um, legislation, we are looking for our officers to be transparent with the work that they are doing within our communities, within the work of crime fighting itself. All of that, to me, um, it, we can parse it, but it is also interconnected. So while we absolutely need our NYPD partners to continue to keep us safe to the best of their ability, what we do not need is the abuse of that um, in, our, in our community. We do not need harassment. We need protection. So in this legislation, we are looking for documentation um, on, uh, on level one, level two stops to go along with the level threes that are already counted. Um, this is what we need. We need for um, officers to give us the data so that we find out exactly why the percentages uh, of stops are, are exponentially higher for black and brown individuals. We need that transparency so that we can get a grip on this. And I guarantee you, when this, uh, when this legislation, when we override this legislation, it goes into, and it goes into effect over the next year or so, just like stop and frisk when the numbers went down as far as crime, NYPD will take credit for this, which is really going to be the ironic part for all of us. Mm-hmm. They're going to take credit for how well this legislation has been implemented, how well they were able to do with the task uh, uh, mandated by the New York City Council. And it is going to be impactful and powerful for the entire city. That is what we are looking forward to. And you know what? We won't even mind when they take the credit because our communities deserve the best. All right. Well, we will see what takes place this coming Tuesday when uh, your city council takes the vote in the sense of overriding these vetoes by Mayor Eric Adams. I want to thank you, Speaker Adrian Adams, for joining us, staying past the time that it was allotted for us this morning to speak with the people and your commitment to come on on a regular basis to talk about issues that affect the citizens of New York. Thank you again, Speaker Adams. Okay. A pleasure, as always. Thank you. All right. We are out of time. We are out of time, Sister Jennifer. I want to thank you for another good show here. And I want to also thank our our Open Line production team, our producer, Knowledge Born, associate producer, Robin Williams, production assistants, Juliana Merville, and tech producer, Rick Wright. And folks, remember... One of the greatest tragedies in life is living life without a purpose. Without a purpose, life has no meaning, no significance, no hope. It's activity without direction, events without reason, just living pointless. And most of all, life becomes motion without any true meaning and direction. So 
live your life to the fullest, a life of purpose, and a life of meaning. You've been listening to an open line hosted by Brother Fatima Muhammad and Jennifer Jones, Austin Esquire. We look forward to being back with you next Sunday, same time, same place. Have a great Sunday. Peace.